0: But you also had people that were very fine people. Very fine people on both sides. And the the aliens with mind meld and give them the technology. They're bad aliens. Uh, aliens Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? No, if demons are real, I would definitely think they'd be on the side of the Nazis. Yeah. McDonald's is connected to the Clintons. They chop up the bodies and put them into the sausage and hamburgers. People are being cannibalized. Look it up.
1: And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful, you know? It's uh, Pepe's
2: become kind of a symbol.
3: Welcome to Ye Na Pasaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith. And I'm Andy Fleming. And joining us today is Max Kaiser, one of the people involved in Jews Against Fascism. Thanks very much for joining us, Max.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I
3: was wondering, maybe you could tell us, just to start off with, a little bit about Jews Against Fascism, although not too little a bit, because obviously quite a lot of it's in the name. Uh, So maybe like a medium bit about it.
2: Jews Against Fascism was formed a few years ago when we were really in the midst of Seeing numerous fascist mobilizations on the streets of Melbourne, and a few of us thought that there needed to be a specifically Jewish response to what was going on. I remember particularly like going to the anti fascist mobilization against the rally in Brunswick, just on Sydney Road, and we were basically faced with the prospect of having, unless there was a counter mobilization, of having. Nazis walk down the streets of Sydney Road and, you know, chanting racist and, um, fascist slogans. And it seemed like being face to face with that, you know, from Brunswick and also it seems very, it was very personal that we needed to really make a major a- effort to get the Jewish community or well, aspects of the Jewish community mobilized and say, this is actually a real threat, not just to racialized people, Muslims. Um, who were the kind of the main target at the time, but also to Jews because this really was people who were who were Nazis and who were mobilising, and you know a big part of their understanding of the world was through anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. So it was really the idea that we needed to to actually get things going, and it ended up being that we kind of stepped into a major Jewish community. Sort of political crossroads, maybe I could say, because there were, there was Avi Yamini, um, who's, you know, this right wing, fascist aligned Jewish figure who was really mobilizing his own crew and becoming his own sort of like mini celebrity at the time, joining in with this sort of arch Islamophobic and, and, and fascist aligned politics. And he was trying to mobilize within the Jewish community through his. His gym. And then there were some other right wing Jewish forces that were all like far right Jewish forces that were also emerging at the time. And I think we did a very good job of really delegitimizing them and, and problem, and problematizing them for the wider Jewish community. So since then we tried to organize, I suppose, a, a bunch of people in terms of, um, collective organising efforts around particularly those counter mobilizations and particularly against RV and this other group, the uh, Australian Jewish Association. But since then, it's really Jews Against Fascism is basically a kind of propaganda outfit. But we cooperate with um, other groups like the Australian Jewish Democratic Society. And yeah, I guess we're part of a sort of a broader Jewish left ecology on the internet, and yeah, and 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 beyond as well.
1: In terms of Reclaim Australia and the United Patriots Front and the various other ragtag associations that have emerged in the past few years, how important is anti-Semitic beliefs to them, in your view?
2: I think that, like R- Reclaim Australia, maybe the main people that were organising around that didn't necessarily. That wasn't necessarily a main part of their discourse being anti Semitic. But it ended up being that the hardcore fascists were the ones that continued mobilizing, like I guess the true blue crew and the, the yeah, the UPF. And, you know, the UPF now are quite oh they're you know, then morphed into the Lads Society and the and the Lads Society this is probably stuff that you guys know, know more than I do, but the lad society is also, you know, incorporated an and resistance which are very openly anti Semitic and that's a, a huge part of their ideology. So the sort of hardcore Nazi stuff, I guess it became more and more of, obvious. And then even like when I think the last major fascist mobilization, correct me if I'm wrong, was the one at St Kilda St Kilda Beach in Melbourne. And that was where you saw people, you know, with Nazi paraphernalia and like helmets and and doing, you know, SIG and etc. And they really weren't being shy about it. So it certainly seems to, I mean, for people who knew what was going on, it was kind of obvious that there was that anti-Semitic Nazi ideology informing the Islamophobia and and the fascist earlier fascist mobilizations but now it seems like yeah it's the hardcore that remain and they're yeah quite open about their anti -anti anti-Semitism.
1: and do you think that well St Kilda's uh, has a a long history of Jewish communities um, forming and and being in the area do you think at that time and and previously there's an awareness on the part of the various Jewish communities that this is an issue that they should be paying attention to? And, and do you think Jews Against Fascism has been successful in, in raising those issues in those communities?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think now it's like, I mean, particularly sort of 2016 onwards, when global, it became obvious that there was a global rise of the far right, that you did have sort of mainstream Jewish community institutions and people like the Vera Abramovich, the head of the Anti-Defamation League, um, good friend of Jews Against Fascism, that, you know, coming out coming out at least rhetorically quite strongly against the, the rise of the far right. And I definitely think that, yeah, Jews Against Fascism played a, a big role in raising that in Australia and saying, you know, this is a real threat that we need to pay attention to as Jews.
1: And you've made reference to the Anti-Defamation Commission, Jews Against Fascism is a slightly different kettle of fish, How would you explain the differences in terms of understanding and approach to questions of anti Semitism?
2: All right. So, yeah, well, I might as well stick the boot in. So, the (laughs) (laughs) the anti, so, you know, the anti defamation commission uh, is really, in some ways, the personal project of only one or two people. And if you, at one stage, we looked through the record, like the media releases of the anti defamation commission over. The past, you know, five years or whatever was available on the internet, and it was basically Israel, 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 far right, Israel, 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 you know, etc. So, like, they, yeah, the main thing they do is 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 complain about uh, that people are uh, unfairly treating Israel, you know, you know, giving Israel negative media coverage or. criticizing something that Israel's done and really dressing that up as if it's, you know, something anti-Semitic. You know, sometimes it is, like sometimes there is anti-Semitism there and, you know, that should be called out, but it is obvious that their main thing that they do is really focus on Israel. And that is really the main thing that's become kind of like, I suppose, hegemonic in terms of Jewish discourse in Australia, at least, when talking about anti-Semitism, is that it's normally related to, to Israel over the last sort of 10 to 20 years. So, yeah, I think having a focus on fascist groups and being critical of the government, being critical of the Liberal Party, being critical of things that are happening in Australia that aren't to do with Israel is definitely something that Jews Against Fascism does and takes on. So, you know, I guess we have an understanding of anti-Semitism is being related to wider issues of racism and colonialism. So that is something, yeah, that we try to draw the links to and, and form, you know, solidarities with other racialized groups in order, to combat, in order to combat racism more generally. And that's kind of what we see as being key to combating anti-Semitism. Whereas the Anti-Defamation Commission, yeah, sometimes has a much more narrow focus.
3: One of the confusing things, I think, for people looking at someone like... And Avi Yemeni, you know, pe- people who are associating with far-right groups and individuals with histories of anti-Semitism. How are people like that managing the contradiction between their identity as a Jewish person, but at the same time standing with anti-Semites?
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting one because it is, it is, it is beyond just Avi, like, you know, like Benjamin Netanyahu, for instance, is, you know, far-right, I would say, authoritarian, fascist-friendly Jewish leader, cozying up to, like, the Hungarian regime and doesn't really seem to care about anti-Semitism of of the far-right forces that he associates with sometimes. And I guess the way to understand, well, the way that I would interpret it, is that, you know, their primary allegiance is really to differing forms of ethno nationalism. So yeah, which is, you know, like a lot of the fascists, um, not all of them, but would say or have said, you know, Israel's fine because it's an ethno nationalist, uh, state. Richard Spencer, I think was like, you know, Israel is the perfect model for what America should be. It's a, it's an ethno nationalist. It's an ethno nationalist state. And so yeah, so there's a real, alignment in, in that, that the sort of anti-Semitism or racism or anything like that doesn't really matter if you're committed to differing forms of ethno-nationalism.
3: Yeah, speaking of Richard Spencer, I remember recently uh, the US government uh, passed some sort of legislation that deemed uh, Jews as being a specific nationality, I think, as some sort of anti-BDS uh, movement. And Richard Spencer celebrated that because his long-term plan, obviously, is to have Jews as a special category that can be then removed from the United States. And it just seemed like very short-sighted of Jews in America to be celebrating this as well.
2: Yeah, totally. Well, it caused a, a big... Well, obviously, like most Jews in America are very anti-Trump. So, it caused, yeah, a lot of, I think, political divisions that some, um, the you know, the right and more conservative Jewish bodies thought that this was, you know, Trump stepping in and helping to ward against the evils of of BDS. But I think for probably the majority of of Jews, it was seen as something that was quite sinister. And maybe it hasn't necessarily turned out to have some sort of Terrible effect on the in terms of the oppression of Jewish people in 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 the states, but it was certainly like a, a big wake up call I think for a lot of Jews in in the United States that if Trump is willing to completely demonize Muslims and migrants and a very explicit way that people were worried that you know this could be a step down the path of. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, changing things for for Jews as well in the States.
3: You are listening to 3CR, 855am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital on your DAB radio. We are talking to Max Kaiser about Jews against fascism. You've also done some research into the history of Jewish anti-fascism in Australia. I was- could you tell us a little bit about uh, what you found?
2: Yeah, so my PhD thesis is on the history of Jewish anti-fascism in Australia, so particularly looking at the 40s and 50s. So basically I was focusing on a group called the Jewish Council to Combat Fascism and Anti-Semitism and some of their associated groups and circles and, and publications. So I was really it is a history that's been looked at before, but I was really focusing on, uh, I guess, like an intellectual and cultural history. So really delving into what the ideas were that they were talking about. So what Jewish anti-fascism meant for them and how it was. Yeah. So basically trying to investigate what a Jewish anti-fascist worldview was. And yeah, I guess one of the things I found, which I wasn't I didn't, I didn't necessarily know I was going to find was really how mainstream those sorts of Jewish anti-fascism was. Um, and what a powerful and influential group the Jewish council to combat fascism and anti-Semitism were, particularly through the forties for obvious reasons with sort of the international fight against fascism and, um, and, and the Holocaust combined basically with influx of vast numbers of Jewish immigrants. Well. Fast numbers is a bit of an exaggeration, but uh, definitely in terms of the small population of Jews there was before the war, there was basically a doubling of of numbers over sort of a 10, 15-year period, and all these newcomers from Europe combined with this international fight against fascism meant a real sort of change in Jewish community politics and this idea that, yeah, we had to combat anti-Semitism in a very public way. And that we have to organize politically around around that and around our interests, and that anti-Semitism uh, had this link with fascism and reactionary politics more generally, so all those ideas became mainstream internationally around this period, and then the Jewish Council to combat fascism and anti-Semitism was yeah, this real was sort of the Australian manifestation of of those politics
1: and what did the council actually do did it organize events did it produce publications?
2: yeah yeah, so it was very active in terms of yeah organizing community events, organizing speakers, sometimes organizing rallies and public demonstrations there was monitoring of fascist activity um which lay like, was a and anti-semitic activity more generally so you know if someone was called names on the on the street or by their boss or something like that. Then that would be something that the Jewish Council would would step in with. But then, yeah, there was also sort of this wider political agenda, which was really yeah allying with the left and progressive groups and putting forward like a broader analysis. And that yeah that that involved yeah I guess like a, a propaganda effort as well, which was through magazines, through newspapers, and also you know, going on like the ABC and, 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 and providing a, a, a Jewish anti-fascist voice, uh, that way as well. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of different things that the, the council was involved in had, you know, at its height, thousands of members and had special committees of, like professional committees. So, like, you know, there was the doctor's committee and there was the um, lawyer's committee and, you know, teachers, etc. So quite influential and and powerful at, at the time.
1: And were these groups able to draw on local traditions or were they more inspired by and informed by this new wave of migration? In other words, what were the kind of cultural, political reference points for anti-fascist jews in in places like melbourne in the 40s and 50s
2: yeah i think it's fair to say that it was fairly that it was influenced by pretty heavily by what was going on internationally but you know so sometimes people tell the the history of this period as like as like there were the anglo jews or the jews of british background and they were all conservative and they were all into assimilation and then you know, the the German and Austrian Jews came and the Jews from Poland, et cetera, came and they were the, the radicals. I don't really like, and they were, you know, tried to change this idea. I don't really take that sort of angle because basically the Jewish Council Against Fascism and Anti-Semitism was really a mix. You did have Anglo-Jews and you did have German and Austrian Jews and you did have Polish Jews. So it was a mix of people, but it was the politics that that really changed, and I think that yeah you can 't really look past what was going on in Europe, and I guess in sort of the left more generally, so I kind of traced a lot of these ideas from the jewish anti fascist council, which was in the in the Soviet Union and was kind of this major jewish coordinating and propaganda and information collecting and it's a very important body within the history of the Soviet Union, which, you know, basically all the, the members were either killed or arrested and sent to the gulag eventually by Stalin. But before that, during the war and just afterwards, they were really trying to convene, trying to push forward this idea that, you know, Jews were specifically oppressed as Jews by fascism, and therefore Jews needed to respond as Jews. So there needed to be a particular Jewish political subjectivity that answered the threat of fascism in a yeah in a particularly Jewish way, and that tried to mobilize tried to mobilize sort of basically the majority of 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 the Jewish community, and that was an idea that I guess yeah spread. Around the world and, and was a, a solid reference point. Uh, but, you know, but in terms of, I guess, local reference points as well, like they, the Jewish Council and sort of the writers and artists associated with them were cooperating with left forces in Australia and, you know, particularly prominent left wing writers and artists. So, like people like Brian Fitzpatrick, Vance Palmer, uh, Noel Cunahan. Um, all these people were, yeah, they were in sort of the the same intellectual circles, which was also, you know, kind of like the extended circles of the Communist Party and the left.
1: Well, I guess the, the question that occurs to me is, given this tradition, you know, how do you relate the experience of a group like Jews Against Fascism to these earlier iterations of Jewish anti-fascism? Is there some kind of tradition here or are the two you know, quite distinct? And also, secondarily, in terms of anti-Semitism and understandings of anti-Semitism, what distinguishes the forms that were being combated in the 40s and 50s with those that have emerged in the early 21st century?
2: Oh, yeah, that's a big one. A big Uh, one to finish off,
1: to finish on, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. I think, you know, I, I think I'm still kind of grappling with that uh sort of the that history of anti-semitism and 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 what is different about anti-semitism today from back then i mean the most you know like there is a fascist threat now but it is different to it is different to the to the nazis you know so like that was really like what they were dealing with very um, seriously, was the what Nazism was and the global threat of fascism. And even after the war, we, you know, have this idea that, like, oh, you know, the, the, the war was over and, uh, you know, fascism was defeated and it sort of, you know, vanished as, 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 as this, as this threat. And also, people often say this thing about, you know, like the ideas of Nazism were discredited and, you know, there was no more racism and, you know, that sort of thing, which is just, you know, complete baloney. And the so that threat of fascism was very real. And like there was, um you know, in this period, there was also like the global Cold War uh, was really heating up at its, you know, kind of hottest period around um, 5051. And that was like a real serious threat. You know, basically, it was completely uncertain what sort of regimes would emerge in this period and What sort of ideas they would pick up and, and, and it was definitely not clear that fascism was dead. So I feel like they really threw at least my, the people that I study, you know, they very solidly threw themselves in with the left and were like, you know, fascism is the chief, fascism and colonialism are really the chief threats. And that's where anti-Semitism comes from. And they were quite straightforward in a way around that. Whereas now I think. You know, even we were talking like pre show, like about these conspiracy theorists, um, around, um, 5G, etc. Like, you know, they're picking up on anti Semitic ideas and like, you know, they're been sometimes they're being fed it by, by fascists, but like there is, yeah, anti Semitism. I don't think we can have the same analysis that, you know, the only place that anti Semitism comes from is is from fascists and that's the only thing we need to watch out for is is uh you know those very openly like Nazi or reactionary groupings because I don't think that that is really yeah, at least right now, how anti Semitism is sort of travelling and circulating. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But, but, yeah, but having said that, you know, the, the follow through, the follow through and the thing that I think we take and from the Jewish Council is relating anti Semitism to those wider issues of racism and colonialism, having a wider political analysis and also saying that, yeah, Jews specifically need to have a, a, a voice, um, to speak up against anti Semitism and racism. And those are, yeah, those are exactly the same sorts of things that they were talking about. Uh, back in, in the 40s
3: and 50s Well we'll have to leave it there Thanks very much for joining us Max If people would like to read more of your stuff uh Jews Against Fascism on Facebook And there's also you're on Twitter At Maxy M-A-X-Y-K-A
2: Yeah give me a follow
3: Very interesting stuff as always Andy mm-hmm. This show is uh, Available as a podcast at 3cr.org.au And don't be afraid to drop us a like As well on Facebook at yeah, nah, Pasaran. Global Indifada is up next. We'll catch you next week.
1: See you later.
4: Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective. I've been charged with incitement under the 1958 Crimes Act for helping to organise a safe car convoy protest calling for the release of the refugees at the Mantra Hotel and across Australia because of the risk of COVID-19. Labor MPs Jed Carney and Peter Khalil have called for the release of the refugees in the Mantra Hotel, and Jed Carney sent us an audio message supporting the goals of the protest. 26 refugee supporters have been issued fines of $1,652 each, making a total of $43,000 in fines. We'll be challenging the fines and the incitement charge in court and we need your help. We've got a sign-on statement, a petition, a fundraising campaign for our legal defence and a public meeting with Craig Foster, Mosford Manus, Julian Burnside and myself on Monday the 4th of May at 6.30pm. You can go to rack vicorg or Facebook forward slash rack-vic for more information. Your solidarity can make a difference for both civil liberties and the urgent campaign to free the refugees.
2: A 3CR supporter.